Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. This is the Thompson to Clark podcast on Locker Room. Brad and myself are, are longtime buddies going all the way back to college. Should, should I tell them how many years ago college was? Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it's been so long, so feel free. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. When I was uh, graduating from college, uh, my oldest was almost born, and he is now 21 years old. So that's oh, how long you can... Jeez. Yeah. yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're longtime Giants fans. We were both in, uh, in, in, in school. We, we were both doing stuff around broadcasting. Brad was the sports director at our college radio station for sports, KSJS. That's how I met him. And we've just stayed friends throughout this entire time. Thankfully, through fantasy baseball, really, like in the beginning, I was just a part of a lot of Brad's fantasy leagues. And then, you know, we just over the Giants, you know, we're we're kind of against each other when it comes to football. So it's really (laughs) the Giants and just our kids and seeing each other through social media. And now this podcast where we've been able to keep our friendship. So I really appreciate Brad for being my podcast partner for doing this. And um, Thompson to Clark, the podcast, we've been doing it for, gosh, it's over a half of a year. Um, And I forget the episode number that we're up, but we've been doing it for something like 36 weeks straight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't. uh, Anytime we've missed one because of vacation, we try to squeeze it in before vacation. So we're dedicated. I mean, we love the Giants and we just love to talk Giants. So it's it's fun. We're having a blast doing this. All right. And we're going to introduce our third co-host here. Ash Day, who came on with us a few weeks ago, is one of our most listened to podcasts. So he's a draw, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, Ash, talk about the website that you write for. And I know you guys have a a new podcast up as well. So quickly explain all of those things. And then we'll kind of jump into what we're going to talk about today. You are. Yeah, there you go. Excellent. Uh, yeah, where, where do I start then? Um, so yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. Um, happy to be back on Thompson to Clark. I really enjoyed my time last time I was with you guys. Um, I told all about my giant story and my quite unconventional route to finding San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, I, I write for a website called Batflips and Nerds. Um, they have their own podcast. They're the leading site in in the UK on baseball. Um, they have writers on every team and and cover all the bases across across the game in the UK. Um, I have a, a podcast with my buddy Matt called Flyball to the Moon, where we talk about all the positive stuff in baseball, everything we love about the game. Um, it's not team specific. We just talk about anything and everything. Um, and then with a few UK Giants fans, I chat about all things Giants um, with the Splash Hits pod. Um, so if you want to check them out one day, we, we'd love to hear from you. And yeah, I'm a busy man at the moment, but happy to always chat with you guys. All right, let's get in he- into it here. So game one is Thursday night. The Giants, uh, it's kind of funny, the little trivia around the Thursday night game was that Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, and Buster Posey made their 10th opening day start for the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. Joining Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Juan Marichal, Barry Bonds, and one other player in the history of the franchise who has also made 10 opening day starts. Brad, do you know who that last player is? 
Say them again. Sorry. <clears throat> M- Mays, McCovey, Marichal, okay. Bonds, and one other player. Hmm. He's close to your heart, Brad. Oh, well, it's not going to be the Hackman. I'll tell you that. Unfortunately, it's not going to be Hackman. He didn't have enough. He was. He probably had about four or five opening day starts for the Giants. Uh, ten, close to my heart. Close to. I, I, I can, I can oh, give man. you a clue. I'll give you a yeah. clue here. Okay. All right. You got two shots here. If you think about the name <laughs> of our podcast. <laughs> oh, geez, Robbie Thompson. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It's because well, I was going to say it's not going to be Will Clark because he was gone after '93. Uh, so yes. yeah, yeah. So Robbie would have been, I think, he would have been '86 through '95. Yeah, you're right there. You know what? You always forget about those last few years of Robbie Thompson with the Giants because after '93, uh, you know the t- the team just kind of started going downhill a little bit and, yeah, and, and couldn't stay healthy either. No, and he couldn't stay healthy. He didn't play a whole lot of games. Uh, so we didn't see him much after that, but yeah, there you go. I, I told you I'm only on my second cup of coffee. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'll go through the quick scoring recap of the game. Cause there's very there's a lot of highs and then there's um, some, some really sad lows at the end. So, Summary is the Giants take a 2-0 lead, uh, solo jacks by Longoria and Posey. Then Flores doubles in one, and it's 3-0. Slater, Austin Slater, who's hitting leadoff for us, hits a wall scraper into right field, and it's 4-0. Belt singles in one, it's 5-0, so Giants are sitting pretty here. Dylan Moore hits a broken bat sack fly into... I would say sort of medium shallow center field. And this is where we get to see uh, Mauricio Dubon's uh, second baseman arm as he threw from uh, <laughs> center field and it bounced about three times and it was way off. I believe Kuiper, uh, when the throw coming came in, he said, hey, there's a throw. <laughs> and that was it because I mean, that's pretty much it was God awful. <laughs> and uh, so it's five one. And then uh, Brandon Crawford gets on base because of an error to his namesake, J.P. Crawford, and his position sake at shortstop. Yeah, where he took the, where he took the play, uh, throws the ball away six one. Gossman gives up a bloop shot, and it's a one hopper to Dubon. And I thought, like, oh, I think you know, we'll see this again. Look, maybe he's got another shot to to redeem himself. Nope, holds on to the ball, and the Mariners <laughs> announcer was like, and the throw comes in. <laughs> And he's like, oh, to the infield. (laughs) And so here's where the wheels fall off. Giants up 6-2. Garcia walks in a run, 6-3. Rogers gives up a double, scores two, 6-5. This one really broke my heart because we finally get the ground ball we were looking for. Belt throws it to the left of Crawford. I know Belt's taking all of the blame for the throw. When I originally watched it on the angle, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a little bit off. Um, and and Crawford uh, didn't really move off the bag, so I think he was trying to hang in there. But throw goes away. Uh, Two-runner score, 7-6. Uh, thankfully, Alex Dickerson goes deep to in, in the top of the ninth. But then... If you paid attention last year, you know that with these new extra inning rules, they were not to our favor because I think we went three and eight in extra innings last year with that new rule where you start the guy on second base and Owen won this year because uh, Alvarez walks in the winning run. It didn't even really come close to the plate. I don't even think Posey caught the ball. (laughs) And so that was a pretty deflating way to lose the ball game. 
And uh, Brad, uh, I'll ask you this question. Is it more painful to lose a game like how they lost it, where it was really just like one big hit and a bunch of walks and an error? Or is it more painful to lose a game when Trevor got and Sam Coonrod and even we'll go back a couple years, Hunter Strickland just get bombed and, and like, which is more deflating as a fan? You know, I, I'm going to put the factors into it. So I, I have to say the it was more deflating to see Trevor Gott just give up these bombs. I mean, because <laughs> they're not even not wall scrapers, bombs. But because the other night you could say, well, it's opening night. Everybody's got the jitters. It's cold. Seattle's cold. Uh, you know, um, humidity. So you can't really blame you, no grip on the ball or anything like that. But what you can say is that it was cold. It's opening day. Guys are having a hard time finding the plate. Last year was weird. Spring training this year was kind of, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a full spring training. Everybody got uh, their shots. But with the Giants, they had so many pitchers that they were trying to get innings to um, in spring training. And a lot of these guys, Harlan Garcia, uh, we, we barely saw him this spring. So, you know, trying to get their bearings and trying to get everything right. I, it's a first day jitters because then the second day they come back and look fantastic in the bullpen. So I, I, I'm going to say it's, it's much more difficult to see the, the big gigantic moonshot home runs uh, from your closer than it is to see something like this for me personally. All right. So Ash, I want to ask you, um, some of the positives that came out of that first game, like when you watch that first game, what did you take away where you were like, wow, like I, I really like what's going on here. Yeah. So, uh, first pitch for me was 3 a.m. in the morning. So I watched this <laughs> one on the replay. Yeah. I, you didn't I, stay I, up? I thought about it. Like <laughs> I, I really wanted to. And do you know what? I had Friday off work as well with it being Good Friday. So I was like, oh. maybe if I take like a little nap, like a little power nap and then I wake up for 3 a.m. I can make it through and I was like no I'll just I'll be a dead man I'll never make it <laughs> so I strategically turned off all my notifications so I couldn't see the score on my phone when I woke up Friday morning got downstairs put MLB TV on the TV settled in with my breakfast and watched it and uh yeah it was all going good for a long chunk of time <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, the eighth inning was horrible. But we won't talk about that again. But the positives, <laughs> let's dwell on the positives. Yes. Uh, already, Buster Posey has, like, surpassed my expectations. Like, I, I wanted him to be great this year, obviously, with him coming back. But uh, already, he's done so much to to make me, like, so happy just having him back. But seeing him hit a home run like he did... Uh, I just, yeah, as a huge Posey fan, I was overwhelmed by that. And he pulled it perfectly over the left field wall. It was such a beautiful home run. And then with Longoria carrying his hot bat from spring and him starting off so hot as well. Um, yeah, the, the offense in that first game was really great to watch. And Gaussman, as you guys said, um, he looks dialed in. He, he, he looks like he's going to carry this rotation. Um, all right. Uh, so agree 100% with all those things. But just quickly, before I ask Brad the same question, then we're going to bring Jeremy on here to, to answer as well. But are you spoiler free in the morning when you're watching these games? Or do, like, do you turn off your phone notifications? Like, how do, you, how do you watch these things when they're, you know, 10 hours later or whatever? So, yeah, it depends. It depends on the 
on how serious I'm taking the game. Um, and by that, I mean, for opening day, I didn't want any spoilers. I wanted to wake up not knowing, you know, watching it fresh. It's it basically like I'm having it live, like I'm watching it with you guys. But for like last night's game, uh, game two, I was happy to be like, you know, what? I'll wake up, see the score. Oh, they won. Awesome. I'll watch it. You know, I, I know what the result is, but I can watch it stress free. You know, it's been spoiled for me, but I don't mind. And most of the season, I will want to know the result instantly. So I'll see the notification on my phone. If they lost, I'll probably just catch the highlights. If they win, I'll watch the condensed game, the longer highlights. If it's a really big matchup, a really big game, I'll I'll try and watch it in full on the replay. Um, But yeah, spoilers, I I can dodge them. I I can do what I can to avoid them if, if if I'm clever with my notifications. All right, Brad. Adding on to the uh, positives that Ash mentioned, uh, what else did you like about Game 1? Game 1, first off, fans. I mean, how I mean, fans are back. Uh, that's fantastic. Even though, you know, the games look like on TV, they look like, uh, you know, 1985 Candlestick Park. Pretty, pretty much every game. Except everyone wearing like three layers of clothing. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, no, in Seattle, it, it looked almost identical to yeah, Candlestick right. Park. Actually, you, are, you are right. It was so damn cold up there. But uh, but yeah, I like I like the fans are back. I didn't like the woohoo lady. Obviously, everybody, I think everybody <laughs> watching the Giants game. Game got oh, a God, yeah. of the woohoo lady from like the sixth inning on. Uh, it was a, a one too many white claws or, or <laughs> one too many whatever uh, you know red hooks uh, up in uh, up in Seattle. But I, I really liked uh, you know playing off of what what Ash said to Buster's hip. I like that Buster's hip is healthy. Um, we're going to see some good things from him this year. Uh, I also like the offense. The, the fact that the offense. Uh, has kind of picked up where they left off last season. A lot of people thought it was a fluke. I mean, Garrett, you and I saw this a lot, and we we had two fantasy drafts together. One, we have a team together, and one, we have teams separately. But we saw people really skeptical when it came to Giants picks, kind of yep. passing on guys like Solano and Yaz and, and Belt and saying, well, you know, it's kind of a fluky year last year. But, you know, us knowing the background of this team and the history and, and the, you know, the hitting coaching staff that, that with Ecker and Veal and Lean, we know that they're kind of building something. So we we thought, well, we'll sneak this in. We'll grab some of these guys and grab Solano uh, for our for our main team and stuff. So so I think for me it was the offense, just kind of seeing them just pick up where they left off. I really enjoy that so far. All right, just want to welcome uh, Jeff and Ben into the chat as well. If you guys want to add on to what we're talking about, which is the positives of Game One, definitely uh, come come through, and I'll I'll put you on. But Jeremy, Jeremy's a, a good friend of mine uh, in real life. I get to see him every once and again uh, when we're not in a pandemic. And Jeremy is a, a big time Giants fan, so I wanted to bring him on. He knows how to do this little locker room gig. So what's up, Jeremy? Hello, how's it going, Garrett? Brad, and he's on. And he's on a microphone too. Hey, wow. hey, nice. There you go. <laughs> uh, I caught the game. I enjoyed them. I I, I came out of the first game uh, a little heartbroken about the bullpen, um, just feeling like we we're going to go back to something that we've struggled with over the last five years. But on the whole. Uh, I'm I'm enthusiastic and I'm feeling pretty good about uh, a scrappy underdog team that we can all get behind for the next 160 games. 
Yeah, it's gonna. It's not gonna be hard to root for these guys for sure. No, right? not at the, all. You know, they're 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 gonna be a scrappy underdog team. And and look, scrappy and underdog team. What that basically means in normal, uh, you know, sports talk is that they're not gonna win the championship, right? <laughs> like that's really what that means. But you know, for Giants fans, we want we we will take a competitive baseball team who is in games who, you know, even if they go 500, they're, they're going to have people on this team who are easy to root for. And we're not, we can't even really latch onto these guys because of what, what's going to happen in free agency. So some of this is also going to be sort of like a swan song to some of our guys who've been with us over the years. So it's going to be an interesting sort of feeling. And, and I hope what I hope is by the end of the season, we do get, I don't know if they'll ever get to, to capacity in uh, 2021, but I do hope, you know, by the end of the year, many of us will be able to go to the park and just, you know, say our goodbyes to whoever's not coming back. I think that'll be great. Um, I want to add one more thing before we get to the, uh, the, uh, the negative side of, of what happened. And, you know, I have a laundry list of, of things from the eighth inning on, on that section, but um, <laughs> throw them out. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I think there, I think there, there's some things that that's a little bit interesting, especially when it comes to uh, one of Kapler's, like uh, what he wrote on the whiteboard. I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but um, so Home runs, Buster Posey, Longoria, Slater, Dickerson, four home runs in game one that I thought that stood out. And, 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 you know, look, maybe, you know, maybe people in in, in the first game of the season, you know, Brad remembers when uh, Kevin Elster Mm. Was it the opening game at Pac Bell Park? It's like, it was. How, how many home runs? Did he, he, had, he had three home runs. <laughs> it was just that guy. So there's. I, first, I know, there's I know first Jeff. Game. Yeah, Jeff, who's listening to us, is 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 a Dodger fan. He and I go way back. We're we're high school buddies from way back. We played on the same high school baseball team. He's a Dodger fan. I don't hold that against him. Uh, <laughs> good guy, but he remembers. Kevin Elster, I'm sure, and uh, just absolutely painful memories. Now I'm now I might just go grab a beer. <laughs> you're starting to hit the feels. And uh, and and Ben in the chat says that they currently lead the league with six home runs. Yes, nice, excellent. You I mean you, you got to give them credit? They came back with that Dickerson home run in the ninth inning. They didn't just fall over when they gave up that lead. They fought, and it just it didn't come up their way. But they. But they tore off the sleeves off the shirt and got scrappy and got down to business when they had yeah. to at that game. So if we look at the negatives, um, you know, I've, I've, we've we've mentioned the the bullpen in, in my recap. You, you, we were sort of reliving it. Um, you know, they, they they didn't find they didn't find the plate, and Kapler is always going to be second guessed on this stuff. That's just how it's going to to be until he really manages them well or they perform well for him in the roles that they put him in. That's just that's just going to happen. This fan base is going to do that constantly and probably deservedly so. Uh, that's what happens when you have guys who don't have super defined roles and you go, oh, yeah, you know, he'll close sometimes and, you know, we'll see. Like, you know, fans want information. They want consistency. They want predictability. And that's just not what they're going to do with this pitching staff. So, uh, the I, taking away everything from the pitching staff, I thought two things. One was uh, I already kind of made made fun of it a little bit, but Dubon in center field. I mean, if you're 
a base coach, the strategy has got to be to test the hell out of this guy, right? Like after you watch <laughs> yeah. those two throws, you're you're like, okay, third base coach, unless it's Benji Molina running, you're waving these guys. And so I think that's going to be something that I, now Dubon's not going to play every game in center field, but when he's out there, I think they're going to pick on him. So that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see how many games, you know, he gets removed in late innings. Uh, but then again, you know, maybe there, maybe his, him being able to catch up to balls. Other guys aren't going to be able to, will be the difference and he will play out there. Um, but the other thing was, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty a pretty good fan favorite of ours. And, you know, Brad and I like to affectionately call him Baby Yaz. <laughs> 0 for 5, 3Ks game one. Not not a good start to the season. And I think game two, he was like 0 for 4 or something. So he, we know that he's going to pick up. But um, that's just looking at the stat sheet. You know, that's kind of, that that's didn't I didn't expect him to. I kind of expected him to be like Solano and, and, uh, and Longoria and just come in right away. Boom, boom, boom. But. You know, this is game one. So that's the only other real takeaway outside of the bullpen because um, so many positive things. Uh, the bullpen is the big bullseye. And then, you know, little things we can kind of pick at. Well, and the, and the bruised hand, you have to wonder, too, is that affecting him? Um, again, cold weather, Seattle, bruised hand, uh, trying to get around on, you know, 90 plus mile an hour fastballs. Although the pitcher for the first night on the first night, uh, uh, Johnny Junkballer Gonzalez, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was, and but that'll throw you off too. You get a, you know, you drop in a curveball like that, and and you're expecting a fastball. And he was actually looking off speed stuff quite a bit, as you saw in that first game. Uh, but still, you know, holding up and and trying to hold up on pitches with a bruised hand in the cold weather. I'm going to give him a break until that kind of heals a little bit. So, yeah, but when you when we when you heard. On, I don't actually. I don't know if you were listening to the game or whatever, but when you saw that he got hit, like, did your mind jump to Madison Bumgarner's fractured hand from like 2017? <laughs> Immediately. I mean, I, I think it, all of Twitter was going, "Oh man, w- what the heck is going on here?" The last game of of spring training against the A's, and then everybody was angry at the A's. Not that we're already not angry with them because we just don't like the A's, but. But but that was all of a sudden A's knock it off and uh, yeah I, I was sitting there going oh man come on and they, but when that I, you know later on when we heard that it was just the contusion or the bruise whatever it was like yeah huge relief they hit La Stella the game the day before as well right so yeah. it was like what are they doing and <laughs> yeah I I definitely when I saw Yaz hit the floor with the that hit on his hand I had a feeling it would derail him somewhat in these early games in Seattle. So it is it is a bit concerning. He's he's not got a hit yet, but I, I can kind of understand it. I think that hand has got to be giving him more grief than maybe he's admitting or letting on. But I, I think he'll come around. I don't think it's anything to be too worried about yet once that hand heals up. Well, I hope so. I, I, I have him as my third outfielder on my <laughs> fantasy team, so yeah. I, I need something to start happening. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll move on to game two here, but I do want to mention one thing that I thought uh, was actually very interesting and, and sort of ironic considering what happened in game one, but uh, it's been reported that Kapler wrote on the whiteboard, win the time of possession. Which is not a baseball term. It's, it's actually a football term, right? You you want to yeah. have the ball more than the other team has the ball, so that your defense is fresh, and the other defense, other team's defense is is not fresh. And so, what Kapler was basically saying is, is let's have long at bats, 
let's have the pitchers be out there for a while. The defense will get flat footed. They'll get a little bit tired and then we'll, we'll be able to capitalize. And what actually happens is, and it's the reverse because it happens to them late in the game. They can't find the plate. There's these long innings. Then belt makes the error. Now I'm not saying belt made the error because he was getting tired out there because it was a long inning, but it's just the idea that cap, this is Kapler's focus. This is what we want to do. And then it kind of came around and turned and, and bit them in the butt a little bit. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I imagine the way that the giants have put this team together, they're going to win that time of possession uh, more often than not. That's going to be one of the things that, uh, that, that makes them uh, a competitive team because they will take advantage of that. Uh, and then, you know, but just, it was just kind of funny, a little ironic that, you know, that was Kapler's focus and that's kind of what kicked them in the butt for, uh, for game one. And I, and I think that's one of those things too. I, I mean, the, the game's been around for a hundred plus years. You got to get fresh with your thinking sometimes. Uh, so, so using a, a football term and plugging that in, maybe nobody's done that before is kind of a fresh perspective on things. I get it. I like it. Um, and like you said, it did kind of turn around and bite them, but I, I'm also okay with, uh, you know, back to back to back home runs on, one pitch each and then uh, you know ground ball ground ball ground balls and and, and that could be a, a very quick inning but you score three runs right so really it's a little bit different in baseball but but I get the thinking I, I understand it no and, and look part of being a manager is inspiration right now you can't just have all inspiration and no tactical strategy, right? This is this is not Mike Singletary coaching the 49ers and dropping <laughs> his pants in front of his players, <laughs> right? Like, but some of it is inspiration. You you have to figure out ways to uh, light a fire under your guys, or you know, with with some of those Bochi teams, he had the 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 players to do that. Like when you have Hunter Pence and that crazy energy, and you have Pablo's uh, playful energy, you don't often need to maybe rah-rah up some of these guys, but, you know, Kapler's mentality here, I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I just thought it was funny that what he wanted was, uh, you know, what, what actually didn't work. But, uh, okay, let's, let's look at game two. So, game two, I think we thought that it, it would be, uh, that Buster may sit because he sat there for 175 pitches or whatever it was. Uh, but no, he, he felt fine um, after being in the crouch all night, came back the next day, said he was fine. I'm sure Johnny Cueto was very happy about that because he's had some issues pitching to uh, other younger players or maybe people he's not familiar with. So <laughs> I could imagine that would have been an excuse if uh, Buster yeah. was not playing. Thankfully, he was there. Um, and uh, and then he hits another home run. So how, how, how did this game play out? Mariners actually take the lead. They score in the second. Uh, to, uh, they get they get up one zero. Posey homers to tie it goes uh, to the uh, opposite field. Uh, no. Or was it right, like right center? It crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great to see him because I, I think in game one, that home run where he pulled it was a brilliant example of his hip looking better. But this one, uh, it really showed that power from his lower body, pushing it over the wall. And yeah, I think it was right center. So then Evan White singles home two in the third. Mariners are up 3-1. And then from there, it's all Giants. Longoria, two-run jack, tied the game. Solano pulls a ball that uh, it was so it was so crazy to see how quickly he's able to drop the barrel on this ball down left field line for a double to score two. 
Um, Longoria then scoots one under a glove that was sort of because of the way that they were shifting. Uh, and Giants take a 6-3 lead. Penn shuts it down. And that's what we sort of expected in the first game. So the game two, it was like, okay, let's have this repeat. But instead of the, the bullpen giving up the game, they're going to shut the game down and we'll, and we'll win. So that was, that was awesome to see. Um, we have uh, Ben who is uh, who wants to chit chat. So I'm going to bring Ben on Ben overall. Uh, you, you've been chiming in, in the chat and wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your observations of uh, the second game here. Yeah. Thanks for, for letting me on and for doing this. Um, speaking to the time of possession, I just, that's what I wanted to talk about. Go for um, it. Yeah. So part of that, I think we need to mention too, it's not just about like having long at bats, but also it was about, he, they want their pitchers to work fast, which I think is important because you don't want your defense just standing around flat footed. Nothing is worse than like an ineffective reliever. Who's also working really slow, but you're right. That is kind of what we saw in game one, but I just wanted to say that we did not see that in game two. In fact, Wandy Peralta was like a madman out there with how fast he was working, pounding the strike zone and just getting it and going. And so that's part of it. They're just emphasizing with the pitchers to don't dilly dally out there, just get the ball and attack the zone. And that's why the first game was really disappointing in a lot of ways, because they've really emphasized just attacking the strike zone. And, they did not like, as we all saw they pretty much everybody who came in just could not find the zone, but also Jake McGee. In, in addition to Wandy Peralta, I thought Jake McGee also was just grabbing it and going and just attacking the zone. So it didn't go well in game. Pretty much the opposite happened in game two versus what happened in game one. So By that the was way, kind of my, my go ahead and uh, shout out your podcast. You've been doing this stuff much longer than Brad and I have. So <laughs> I, I, I know that you do you guys, cause you guys record like really often right every every weekday on locked on giants uh yeah you can find the podcast everywhere every single weekday about um 20 to 30 minutes we talk about the giants so i'm really excited that you know we're gonna get a full season this time because we did it last year (laughs) every day even though there was like barely any baseball so Well, uh, kudos to you guys. I know that, uh, you know, the locked on brand is uh, doing really well. So, uh, yeah, I, and I may hit you up, uh, offline and maybe we can get you on our weekly show. That'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, you know, for I, a, I love talking to podcasters, but B, you know, just anybody who, who loves giants, you know, that that's the week we can just geek out on that stuff, Absolutely. but no, really appreciate and you, and you can hang online with us, uh, if you have any other thoughts, but I wanted to give Brad, uh, you know, your, your positives from, uh, from game two. Cause you know, there's very little negatives. I'll mention like one super nitpicky negative, but, uh, <laughs> let, let, you know, let's, let's chop it up. Let's be positive. Let's, you know, pump our fist on this game two here. Well, when we get to the negatives, I, I have a nitpicky one too. So I wonder if it's the same thing. I, I'm kind of curious because maybe there's more negatives than we thought. They're always, I mean, you could win, you know, you could win 10 nothing. There's always going to be a negative or two. Uh, but, but like Ben was saying too, I, I'm, I'm starting to really kind of, even though he was a Dodger, I'm starting to really kind of climb on board the, uh, the Jake McGee. Uh, bandwagon and and I did draft him in one of my fantasy leagues and uh, yeah there you go and in hopes <laughs> that he would hold that mantle of, of of closer for quite a long ways throughout the season uh, I do like his fidgetiness 
you can't have a closer that's boring as we've it's a, seen. It's a little affeldy to me. It is, but but even more. I mean, it's just kind of like uh, at times he's just kind of walking around the mound. Like, am I supposed to be here? Uh, am I supposed <laughs> to be? And I say that with love because I because I love Affeld. <laughs> oh, Affeld's fantastic. So so it's it's fun to watch McGee just out there fidgety, but he does. He he grabs the ball and he fires. Uh, there's really no messing around. So that was one of my likes from game two. I liked what he did in game one. But I liked to see him in the actual closer spot in game two. So that's that's one of my huge likes. The, the other one of my huge likes from game two is the old guys, because I'm an old guy. I like the old guys. Longo hit another home run. Yes. Uh, Buster hit another home run. So the, us, long, us old guys just kind of stick together. So seeing the old guys out there swinging it, I absolutely love it. The fact that you called Buster an old guy <laughs> it really hurt my feelings. <laughs> Because I remember exactly where I was the day that he joined the team. Like, I literally remember seeing on my phone, I was in Vegas, just getting off the airplane, uh, probably in Vegas for like a UFC Memorial Day weekend card uh, fight that I was at. And I see it uh, uh, on the thing. So, yeah, you just hurt my feelings. Uh, I I apologize. Well, and again, I remember, I mean, I posted some pictures on our uh, Twitter uh, page and then also on our Instagram page as well. But uh, when I was at uh, Reno Aces game opening day uh, 2010 and he's, uh, you know, getting a knock for the Fresno Grizzlies. I mean, (laughs) that feels like yesterday. And 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 here we are. So, yeah, he's he's old in baseball terms, but. But he's still a young dude. He's got all those little kids. I don't have little kids anymore, so I'm old. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> all right, before we I, I get Ash, I want to get to yours. I'm gonna I'm gonna add one that I don't think is on anybody's list, but I was pretty inspired by it, which is, um, you know, we know we know the frustration that that Cueto's is gonna have from time to time, um, but seven strikeouts, he got a bunch of swing throughs on that changeup, so I thought that was a positive. You know, he 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 gave up, you know, he gave up three runs. But still, you know, when we look at what he he was last year and then before he got hurt, you know, he was not he he was basically throwing up BP. So he's still going to get hit. He's still going to get knocked around in a few games. There's still going to be, uh, you know, athletic articles during the season where Cueto thinks that he got pulled too early and because he's a vet, he deserves to go deeper into games and Kapler's going to have to manage that all season long. But I mean, if you think about it, the better Cueto pitches this year and the better he helps this team, the the better it's going to be for whatever he wants to do after this season. Or, you know, I think he's, he, we have him for, do we have him for another year after this? This is um, the last year. Oh, is this the last year? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really for all for everybody, the, the, the better he pitches, it's going to be better for everybody. And so I, as a Johnny Cueto fan, as somebody who really enjoys the pitcher's pitcher of, you know, the, the, the slowing it down and the and the wind up stuff and just him trying to have as many advantages as possible. I love seeing him do well, um, usually. Pitchers like this, as they age, it, it doesn't end well. But, you know, I, I do hope that he that he has a, a nice little comeback year. So I, I wanted to point that out. Um, but, Ash, what else did you like about Game 2? Yeah, just uh, piggybacking what you said, Garrett, about Johnny Cueto. I think if we can get that sort of performance more often than not from him, I think we're going to have a 
I would say what would be a good season from him. It's it's been such a a roller coaster with him since he's been on the Giants. To have a consistent Cueto will go a long way. I mean, what was it? Nearly six innings, seven strikeouts is great. A few walks, not perfect. A few runs, but with the offense we've got now, if they back Cueto like they did yesterday, I think they'll go a long way. And and Cueto will be the benefit benefactor of that definitely um but yeah some other positives i i found from the game obviously the the posey and longoria home runs was brilliant um i really like that wilma flores is still i mean i know it's only been two games but i really like that kapler's been able to fit him into the team um without being in the dh i really like that they put him in the field um so yeah that's been a, a big positive anytime i can see flores you know, if the Major League Baseball got their act together and we actually had a DH in the National League, not, you know, Brad and I sort of got used to it last year. It's not near and dear to our heart, but we know it's coming. You know, Flores, uh, or, or the way that the Giants could utilize that spot becomes super valuable. Uh, and you just hope that Flores and Belt and Listella all get enough ABs because they should all be fairly uh, productive in, in the roles. It's just, it's un, it's unfortunate, you know, when you got a guy like Flores sitting on the bench because defensively he's just, you know, he, he's pretty bad, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I love watching that dude hit. Like he, yeah. he's, he's fun to watch it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess uh, at that, the other, the only other really real thing is uh, Solano, right? Like, I, like Brad was talking about, you know, when we're going through these fantasy drafts, Solano is very low uh, on draft radars because they just don't think that he can repeat what he did in 60 games for 162 games. But the fact of the matter is, is if you add up all of his Giants ABs, you know, he's been with the club for a good amount of time and he's been a consistent hitter. So is he going to be a three hole guy? You know, who's going to hit upwards of 330, like whatever, like who knows if, if he's going to be able to sustain. But man, it is, he is so fun to watch hit the baseball and he hits it hard. Um, there are certain stats out there, you know, Brad and I, we don't super focus on the analytics, but, you know, there's like line drive rate and stuff where he is, is super high on those lists. Uh, but man, you know, Donnie Barrels, just fun guy to watch. And I, I love, I loved seeing that. The, I'll, I'll kind of talk about it again, but pitch on the inside, not even on the inside corner, wasn't a strike. And he's able to drop his hands, drop that barrel, keep it fair. Amazing piece of hitting there. And like, it was, you, you ask him and he's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. It was really inside as well. He like, he turned on it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Does anybody have any small little nitpicky things? Because I'll add one thing. Why don't you go? Yeah, you go first. Okay. <laughs> they struck out 13 times in game two. <laughs> Kikuchi. Kikuchi was dealing, man. Kikuchi, yeah. He's got some good stuff. In six, uh, what did he throw? Six innings or whatever. He struck out ten. So, yeah. you know, they're going to have games like that. They're they're going to have, you know, that's kind of what baseball has become uh, these days is, you know, all or nothing in some spots. But uh, that that's really the only thing that that I was able to find that was a negative uh, for game two was just, you know, the, they they swung through a lot. But uh, overall, like re- really strong and. Um, you know, you look forward to tonight, and and Brad and I talked about it earlier. You got Logan Webb. Do you guys? What do you guys think about Logan Webb? He was awesome in spring training. Like, like really, really 
uh, top, you know, one of the top, probably one of the guys that turned the most heads in spring training, depending on how you look at spring training. But, you know, he's he's going to be pitching some some big time innings for the Giants. He's going to get a lot of innings under his belt. I think it's going to be I think having high expectations for him may be a little bit of the wrong move. I think you have to look at it as he's going to throw big innings and he's going to get a lot of experience. And it's kind of about what's to come after this. But this is kind of the year to get him in the, into the mix. Uh, Brad, you and I have crowed about Logan Webb on our podcast. So I'm actually interested in uh, how Ben sees Logan Webb for 2021. Well, like you, I was my eyes were opened by the spring that he had. He went um, something like 16 or 17 innings and had like 23 ish strikeouts and, and one walk and one run all spring. So, you know, normally I don't read into spring numbers, but when it's that dominant, it's just, you can't help but pay attention. And then the other thing is that he made some adjustments with his changeup and Kurt Casale, the backup catcher that the giants brought in, who's probably going to catch tonight. Um, he caught Luis Castillo in Cincinnati and Castillo is known for having arguably the best changeup in the game. And Castillo commented in spring saying that Logan Webb's changeup was just as good, if not better than Luis Castillo's changeup. And that, I mean, I don't know if he just says stuff like that lightly, but that really <laughs> caught my attention too. That's quite a statement to make. I mean, that's a lot of pressure in a way to say that on Logan Webb. So on the one hand, I agree. Like we, we should kind of temper our expectations a little bit, but on the other hand, I'm excited to, to watch. And if, if he goes out there and picks up like nine K's in, in five, six innings tonight and, you know, one zero one or two runs, then I think all of a sudden that there's very legitimate reason to, to be really excited. So it's a big year for him. He's still really young. He's only 24. So I think that there's still a lot of time for him to establish himself as a really good starter. Jeremy, I know you follow fantasy analytics and all that stuff very closely. What are, what are the things you've been reading about uh, how people are looking at Logan Webb? Um, I see a lot of optimism with the numbers. I do get a little bit worried with these young guys that uh, we look at only the numbers and not the experience. And once they get in that real gameplay, uh, things just happen and you can fall apart in some aspect. And we're going to have to be forgiving of that when it happens. Uh, you can even look at uh, Urias over in the Dodgers. He's great now, but when he had those first few years, even with the inning limits and everything like that, there were some rough times. So I want to cheer him. I want to believe in him, but I also want to give him a long leash to let him know that, hey, if you make some mistakes in this next season, this is the beginning of a big and optimistic career, not uh, not the hook if you're not going to deliver. That's how I kind of feel about him right now. All right, Ash, you, you're going to end it for us here. Um, I want to know if you have any thoughts on Logan Webb, definitely mention them. But I, I, Brad and I have talked about sort of our expectations. We kind of ended the podcast from uh, fr from Tuesday uh, with our expectations and kind of how we're viewing this season, you know, through through what lens. So talk about Logan Webb if you have some thoughts, but also give me your thought process on 
how what are you expecting from the Giants? And, you know, are you going to be happy with uh, 500 ball or do you expect more? Like, how are you thinking through this? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just touching on Webb briefly. Uh, as Ben said, it's such a, a brilliant spring. I think before spring training started, I was writing my kind of what to watch during spring training, competition battles. He very much looked like the outsider for the rotation. He would be battling Di Sclafani, Wood, um, kind of, and uh, Sanchez for that last spot in the rotation. But even without uh, Sanchez, you know, not being, you know, he didn't see a lot of innings during spring. Then Wood obviously got hurt. I think even without all of that happening, Webb fully earned his spot. And I think it's a real mark of how far he's come that Kapler initially, like straight away, put him as number three starter. Um, and I think it's great that he'll face this Mariners team. Uh, so tonight should be fun to watch. Uh, as far as uh, expectations for the season, I think 500 ball is kind of where where I'm looking. I, I, if we can exceed that, then I think we'll all be absolutely over the moon with that. But uh, yeah, I, I just want to see us competitive and everything we've seen in the first two games shows we should be in for, for that. I, I hope anyway. I mean, two games is, is, a, is a lot to read in just a small amount of time. Um, I really hope the bullpen pull it together and, and are more like last night than Thursday night. Um, it, yeah, if they can find the strike zone more often than not, I think we should be okay. But yeah, 500 ball this year would be would be a lovely step forward in the right direction ahead of 2022. All right, so um, thank you to Ash. Go listen to to his stuff. Go read his stuff at, at Batflips and Nerds. Ash, I want to see more of your posts in our Giants uh, in our Giants Facebook group. I love reading your stuff. Uh, Brad and I will be back. Uh, early next week to kind of talk about, you know, this weekend and, and the beginning of the season and, and look forward to what's going to happen uh, and go follow Ben on. If you're in the app, follow Ben on uh, locker room, but also check his stuff out, the locked on giant stuff. Um, and then I think you can find Ben's Twitter uh, on locker room as well. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes for so if people want oh, people who are downloading this to sort of listen afterwards, uh, I'll, I'll put I'll put Ben's Twitter in there. But yeah, thanks 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 for jumping on, Ben. It was it was a nice little surprise <laughs> to see you in the room. So I, I was very excited. Oh, well, of course, and thanks for doing it. I, I'm always down. To- all right. I think I think a few of us too during this just quickly jumped on and, and subscribed. I did on uh, on Apple Podcasts because I was like, well, more giant stuff. Yes, yeah. give it to yes, me, feed day. it to me. <laughs> okay, I will end this because I just listened to Grant Brisby and Hunter Pence's podcast, which is the uh, the Athletics Daily Baseball podcast. Hunter Pence. Now, what he didn't say is if he was on his fourteenth or fifteenth cup of coffee. <laughs> But he predicted that the Giants would be the third playoff team out of the NL West. He predicted them to make the playoffs. He predicted the Braves to win the whole thing. Um, So he's he's probably a little down on the Dodgers and down on the Padres just because he's a Giant. So take that for what it's worth. 
Hunter says they're going to the playoffs. If that happens, I'm going to find a retro Hunter Pence jersey <laughs> and uh, and wear it around town. Retro? This he was just on the team. Uh, what was it last year? Two years? I mean, it, it, you know, we're not talking retro here. This hey, is they, they weren't they weren't selling Hunter Pence jerseys last year, my friend. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah. So I I just thought that was cool. He he's a he's a giant to to the end, right? So I love that prediction. But yeah. Anyway, okay. I want to do one more quick plug too. the Go sounds of baseball uh, MLB network has got this uh, little series going. So tomorrow night uh, at 5 PM Pacific time, it's going to be the sounds of baseball featuring John Miller. Oh, so wow. that'll be oh, pretty nice. awesome. And I believe that's hosted by Bob Costas and uh, I don't wow. remember who else, but, but yeah. So anyways, MLB network tomorrow night at 5 PM Pacific. So depending on when you're listening to this Sunday evening yeah, yeah, at yes. 5 PM. Okay. April 4th. There you All go. right. So thank you to everybody who was in the room listening. Tucker, Melissa, Jeff. Uh, thanks to Ben for jumping on. Thanks to Jeremy for jumping on. Thanks to my two co-hosts, Brad, as always, and Ash. I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.